ladies. Welcome to the Mav Method Podcast, where we free you from the misery of yo-yo dieting and give you the life-changing body confidence you deserve forever. Here's your host, ISSA certified personal trainer and fitness nutritionist and women's transformation specialist, Maverick Willett. Welcome back. It's episode five. And today we're going to talk about a bunch of different things, but I think the first thing we're going to talk about just to get it out of the way is the rat story. Ooh. So yeah, let's lock this one out because... Um, this, this happened to us when, what night was this last Thursday? It was, it was Thursday. Last Thursday. We, um, we which, finally decided we were going to have a cheat meal. We'd gone the whole week without one. Yeah. So, okay. So just for, for some, <laughs> I don't even know how to start this story. Okay. I, I would say we should just start it with, we ordered some pizza. All right. Yeah. Let's start there. We ordered some pizza a from a large place. Large pepperoni. Ooh. Baby. Slimy. <laughs> <laughs> so what we we love to order from this place that's local. So we ordered a pizza and just, you know, just as we as we do and um the pizza gets there. And you know with like certain covid restrictions right now there's no contact service. So right. um most delivery services just leave the food on your doorstep. Well, but when they do that, they usually ring the doorbell and it's in a bag of some sort. Like it's usually protected by something. They usually take some precautions taken. So this, I get a call um, about, you know, 15, 20 minutes later, which is speedy. Again, we've ordered from this place many times. We, mm-hmm. we love this place. And it gets there. The guy calls me. And well, he's, before, let me just interrupt you real quick. Okay. We We love this place. However, so we haven't ordered there in a while because you said that... I didn't like their pizza anymore. And the reason why was because? It was too cold. Okay. So the last time that we ordered pizza in general, we ordered from a different place, but we preheated the oven. We put the pizza in the oven for a little bit, came out really hot. And Maverick said to me, okay, let's go back and try the place that we normally like, but put the pizza in the oven and warm it up. I think I'll like it that way, right? All right. They got context. Enough context, okay? <laughs> we order, we warm our pizzas up in the oven because they've been getting there cold, basically. So th- I get a call. The pizza's here. He said, hey, uh, I left your pizza on the ground. Bye. So that I was like, okay, that's weird. They left. They just left it on the ground and left. Okay, whatever. We go down, and we're in the midst of a conversation, right? So we break off our conversation. I go down. I get the pizza. I bring it in. I put it in the oven. We continue our conversation. <laughs> Moments later, we hear a ruckus in our oven, like something banging around like a pinball in our oven. And then squealing. And then dying. So no, Whoa, whoa, whoa. That was very morbid. Well, that's what we heard. I mean, so, literally. I think I put two and two together fairly quickly. I opened the oven a crack and... To my surprise, there was not only our pizza in there, but also a rat scurrying around our oven. There's a rat in our oven. So immediately, I'm having a a variety of emotions because first off, I'm dealing with the fact that I feel so terrible about this living thing having this horrifying death in our oven. And I also don't want this thing to leave our oven and get into our house. So I am very conflicted in this moment. 
I don't even, it didn't even register with me yet. Like I had not put two and two together that there was an, a rodent in our oven. I thought the pizza was exploding. I was like, okay, finally, finally came back and bit us. Like the, we put in pizza box in the oven, not a good idea. The pizza blowing up, whatever it's, but that's not what happened. There was a rat in our oven. So she, as she said, had a very emotional response. I was trying to think. Um, what to do. We both just kind of looked at each other like, okay, what, what do we do? Here we are rats burn in the oven. What, where do we go from here? So Denver starts crying because we were, we had we raised our voices and we're like, what's going on? What do we do? What do we do? So I said, I finally, my, my manhood took over my fatherly <laughs> instinct. And I said, go upstairs. I got this. Didn't know what I was going to do yet. <laughs> I know. I could tell by the look <laughs> on your face that you had no clue what you were going to do. <laughs> Hadn't hatched my plan, but I said, go upstairs. I got this. So she took Dan upstairs, our son, and I uh, I was like, okay, I got to get this rat out of here. So I, I, I got a broom and I scraped him off uh. the off the ground of our oven, off the bottom. Um, one of one of his feet had melted to the stop, bottom. Stop, stop, stop. Well, I'm just telling the full story here. And um, so I finally scraped him out. He was very dead. Uh, I, I, it may have been a she. I'm not sure. Um, and, uh, you know, scraped him out. Scraped him out onto a dust onto a dustpan and then put him in uh, a garbage bag. Took it outside, threw it away, um, and then turned the oven on self clean. Just to clarify here, the rat was not already in our oven. The rat chewed a hole into the pizza box. Somehow got into the pizza box and stayed very very still while Maverick carried the pizza box up the stairs and put it into the oven. Yeah, Shredder from Ninja Turtles was dining on some delectable Italian cuisine as I transported him into our house. Now, here's the thing that crossed my mind after, which would have been worse, us roasting a rat in our oven or if we had put the box down on the table like we always used to and open the box only to find a live rat in our pizza and risked him being loose in our house. Which he probably would have, he or she probably would have jumped out and been running around the house. We would have been freaking out. Denver would have been crying and I would have been panicking thinking, oh my gosh, this rat's going to hide itself somewhere in our house and bite our son. Oh, absolutely. Because we live in a three-story townhome, and we were on the second floor. So the likelihood of me corralling that rat to go down the stairs and then somehow out the door, very low, very low. So in all likelihood, I, in all fairness, I think that that was a scenario that produced the least amount of damage on, on our – not for the rat, obviously, but on our end. Mm. Um, but so then here's the Which worst part. very traumatic. Yeah, it was for all parties involved. But here's, here's <laughs> the, the worst kicker. part. Here's the kicker. Okay, I'm not going to name names because I don't want to destroy this business. I was tempted to, but the the Good Samaritan in me, the 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 saner the saner mind prevailed, and I said not worth it. But here's what happened: I called the place immediately after, and I said, "Hey, um, there was a rat in our pizza. Do you mind replacing it?" And their response, and I quote, was, "That's not our fault. We don't put rats in our pizza." At which point I was baffled. I I couldn't even that took a second to register. Like the response was so plain and and just bland. I couldn't even it took me a second to process the simplicity of that response. As if it's a given, as it as if it's not a given that a rat shouldn't be in your pizza, you know? It's one thing to have a hair in your soup, a fly in your spaghetti, perhaps. But a full grown rodent in your Italian cuisine, 
I, I think that warrants a replacement. I've been a manager before, and the answer is you just give them what they want and solve the issue and don't make it bigger. Because had I been uh, a little more vindictive, I could have wrote a very, very scathing review. Well, one thing that I've learned over time is, is that when you have a really good meal somewhere, you might tell a few people, but when you have a very bad experience with, say, I don't know, a rat in your pizza, everyone you know is going to know. So, unfortunately, for this place, which I am sad to say we're never going to order from again mm-hmm. because I did like their pizza, um, everyone that we know will know. <laughs> yeah, and I mean – because you can't not tell that story. We immediately <laughs> told all of our friends because it's hilarious. But at the same time, it sucks because, yeah, I mean, here, I don't, and, and for those of you who are going to have, there's going to be some questions, right? Everyone has asked this question. Well, why do you put a pizza in your oven? Well, how did that even happen? How are you, how are you not, you know? So here's the thing. The rat had chewed a hole in the pizza box that was so small, I didn't notice it. Rats can compress their rib cages and slip into damn near anything. Yes, so this this rat had chewed a very small hole in the box that I did not notice when I brought the pizza in. Because, again, I took for granted there wasn't a rodent in my pizza. My mistake. <laughs> my worry was when they put it on the ground, my worry was, oh, no, like we need to grab that. There might be some bugs that crawl on it or something like that. Mm-hmm. I could have never fathomed a rat. <laughs> yeah. And and here's a Yeah. Well, nobody could. And here's the thing, too. The span of time that passed between when he put that pizza on the ground and when he called me is unknown at this point. It could have been three minutes. It could have been five minutes. He could have just remembered as he was going down the road at 15 minutes later. I don't know at this point. I'm willing to bet it was in between three to five minutes. And that was just enough time for our furry little friend to chew his way through a cardboard box and enjoy some carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. So that's the pizza story. Um, And if I also may add, we did not consume that pizza. Uh, we tossed that pizza out, just to clarify. I didn't even open the box because <laughs> I'm not sure if that was the only rat in there. If there was a family of rats, I didn't know. So I didn't want to know. So we threw that away. Um, we did, however, replace that pizza with a pizza from another place because we had to scratch our pizza itch. Yes. Which was a little bit dampered by the whole scenario oh, for me. Oh, of course. Of course. Well, I didn't enjoy that pizza. Well, I feel like you did. Um, just, I, I forgot all about it. No, it was uh, it was quite a night. Um, so well, to, well, that was the story. But today's actual topics mm-hmm. we want to talk about are insecurities, uh, other people's impressions of us versus reality, and our vulnerabilities. I think that these are all things that are important to talk about, um, especially if you know you want a real depiction of. Um, who we are, what we do. Absolutely. I I like the other people's impressions of us versus reality, because I think this is a huge theme on social media. As we've touched on in our Mm -hmm. previous episodes, people put on a facade, they put their Kodak moment, which, you know, of course we put uh, as nice photos as we can on there, but we also try to be as vulnerable as possible in in our captions and what we're saying and in our content. Um, But I know for a fact that, if I have 50,000 followers, I have 50,000 different interpretations and perceptions of who I am, unless they know me personally. And that's the reality I came to terms with a long time ago. No matter what I put out, no matter what I say, everyone has a snapshot of me that I can't control. And it's 
futile for me to try to control because then I'm wasting energy trying to appease a bunch of people who are going to criticize and think what they want regardless. And I think everybody can kind of um, heed that advice if you're if you're if you have insecurities, which I, I have um, and I still do with social media. But I'm sure that you know people see me and they see a six five meathead, <laughs> a blonde meathead who could never understand the complexities of the female mind. And, you know, I, as far as their insecurities and, and getting progress with their bodies and, and stuff like that, I'm sure that I, I come off douchey at times. I'm sure I do. I, I, I'm, I'm sure that some people think that I'm arrogant, um, that both of us are arrogant, that we're just these, this Florida Barbie and Ken that have no problems or don't deal with struggles or insecurities, you know, that we just this perfect little family that live in our perfect little home. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure some people think that, and we know that couldn't be further from the truth, but, um, I'm sure that that's a, you know, I'm sure that's, that's a perception that people have. What do you think? Well, I think that first impressions and perspectives and all of that are a natural thing. Um, that everyone has that uh, of people until they truly get to know them. And I think a lot of times um, the way that you're perceived can be based off of uh, actions that you don't even realize um, you do or that occur. So, you know, for example, you said that people's perspective of you is probably meathead, maybe, um, you know, unintelligent or whatever it is because of the way you look. That's why I wear glasses so I can look more intelligent. <laughs> and the funny part is, is that, um, you know, I've had conversations with friends of, you know, what their first impression of me was in the past. And um, a lot of times it's the same thing. And um, what is I'm, that? I'm about to, to use a bad word. Okay. Can, can we bleep it yes. out? No. <laughs> so I, dumb bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Dumb bitch? Yes. A oh. lot of people think that, uh, that a lot of people, that's their first impression. And then I found out later on, they're like, yeah, that's not what you are at all. Because um, I think that that comes from maybe the way that it's perceived that I look or um, that uh, sometimes I can be very serious so that might be the the bitch part. See, I never before I knew you, um, and and even you know it was like after our first date and just before that, I I never would have thought dumb. I would have thought snobby. Do you think that that's the the case though? No, no, of course not. I'm mean, of course not. But I I that my first impression was snobby, uh, high maintenance, materialistic, mm -hmm. and none of those were correct at all. Mm -hmm. But that's what I was expecting solely based on your looks mm -hmm. and, and the car you drove. And I learned later that you're just someone who works your ass off to achieve things in life and, mm -hmm. and which is amazing. But without, you know, that's, I think that is probably society's first knee jerk reaction off of seeing someone who looks a certain way, drives a certain car, has a certain brand of purse. They think that, oh, they're, uh, brand, that's a brand whore. That's someone who, you know, is snobby, all these things. But, and, and, you know, that's just how it is. I think people jump to judge and that's a natural, like you said, that's natural. Um, but not necessarily right. Well, I also think that, um, you know, I grew up in this area, which is, uh, Palm beach area in Florida. And, um, 
it's un- a fortunate and unfortunate thing that, you know, the area is very nice, but unfortunately it's sort sort of like a keeping up with the Joneses in this area because mm-hmm. everyone's always flaunting the things that they have. Um, so you always feel like you're trying to keep up with everybody. But for me in particular, um, I have never been given anything. Um, my parents don't pay for anything. I mean, they, they obviously helped me through college, but um, I work very hard for everything that I have. I bought my first home in 2017. Uh, all of my cars, I pay for myself. <laughs> all Everything that I have that I, that I wanted, I worked very hard for. And I take care of my possessions because of that. Um, it's one of those things where I think a lot of times people think that things are given to people or they don't understand the hard work that goes behind it. And that's beyond the the material things. That's also with the, the things that I've been able to achieve physically with my body, you know, the muscles, uh, mus- the muscles. The yeah, muscles you got, girl. <laughs> uh, I, I work very hard in the gym. I, I focus. Um, and I think that there's, you know, sometimes a misconception behind um, – that it's just given or genetics or anything like that because um, neither one of my parents work out um, or have ever had a a regimen of working out. Um, It's just not something that was a part of my childhood. It was not something that I was pushed to do. It was something that I decided to do and uh, worked hard on. Um, That you hit on something really good there that I also want to point out. And that, that goes along with fitness and that's genetics, right? Mm-hmm. Like I am sure people look at me and think, you know, and especially when I used to post more photos that showed my body of my physique, my torso, so to speak, I'm sure people saw that and thought, oh, genetically gifted. They don't, re- <laughs> what you don't realize is it took me 15 years to gain, you know, 60 70 pounds and it, I didn't do it overnight. Like it took me years and I had such a high metabolism. And now granted, if I had to choose, I would definitely choose having a high metabolism over a low one, especially at my age now. But I had to work tooth and nail f- to get stronger and to put on muscle mass because I'm not someone who does that easily. It, 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 I'm not someone who can just lift for two months and, and put on, you know, five pounds of muscle. It just, it took me years and my body fought me every step of the way. I'm meant to be an endurance athlete. My body tries to shed muscle every chance it gets. And so the amount of food and the amount of work that it took to actually develop my body in that way was actually, it took a very, very, very long time. Um, and, and I had to work very, very hard. And same with you. You're not someone who naturally have, neither one of us have a butt. Let's just come out no, and say it. No. Neither one of us have a butt. During pregnancy, that was one thing that just completely disappeared. Yeah, we had to work. We had to work. <laughs> ironically, no no pun intended, we had to work, work our asses on for it. You know, it's like <laughs> it, it, it takes a lot of calories, a lot of dedication, a lot of consistency. Um, and, and, you know, that's just something that I think a lot of people assume about a lot of people in, in the fitness industry or in general. They just assume it's genetics when there are a lot of people who do work very, very hard to have their bodies. That's included. And, and we still work hard. It's consistency. I mean, I haven't missed a workout in, since I don't, can remember. Yeah, it's dedication. It's consistency. And it's also not giving into a lot of the indulgences that um, most people decide to give into. So, you know, we actually pick two meals out of the week 
for our cheap meals and the rest of the meals we stay on point. And yeah, every once in a while, you know, we fall off of that, but that's our commitment and dedication to our goals for our health and for our bodies. Yeah. So I think a good, a good segue here is, you know, we talked about maybe some people's first impressions. Let's talk about reality. Let's mm-hmm. talk about some of our, <laughs> our vulnerabilities and yeah. our insecurities because we have many. Um, oh, I would say we're much more confident. I, I can speak for myself. I'm much more confident than I used to be or that I, than I used to put on. Um, but I, I still struggle a lot. What are some of your... What would you say some of your vulnerabilities? What would you say some of your insecurities? Well, before I go into that, I just kind of want to precurse this with I am a type A. Um, I don't know if you believe in. I know you don't really believe in horoscopes, but I'm a type A Virgo. Mm. Um, so for anyone that that speaks to, then you understand a little bit. But I am very, 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 very self-critical. And you can attest to that for me, correct? Yes. (laughs) I am very self-critical. I am more critical of myself than anyone else. So if you're ever wondering what's going on in my head, it's probably me critiquing myself. But um, with that being said, I have a lot of vulnerabilities. Um, One of them is social interactions. Uh, I have social anxiety. And it was something that I've struggled with a good majority of my life, but something that I just became more comfortable talking about. It is, um, it is a exercise for me to be in a social situation with people that I haven't met before or that I'm not completely comfortable with. It, it takes a lot of energy and effort on my part, and it's something that I'm working on. Um, I'm definitely the type of person that feels more comfortable with people that I know. And um, so that's definitely an insecurity for me because uh, I sometimes have to mentally, physically, emotionally prepare for social situations. And um, in addition to that, that sometimes puts me in um, certain positions where uh, I don't necessarily feel comfortable um, engaging in conversation. And I think that's why sometimes people can often perceive me as a a quote unquote bitch. It's because they don't realize that that comes from me being an introvert. That comes from me just not being completely comfortable. And it has nothing to do with me being um, a snob or not wanting to talk to people. Uh, It's just who I am. Right. Yeah. And and for me, it's uh, that's that's good to know. I didn't know that about you when I first met you. Um, and that's, I think one good point from that is you never know what someone's going through internally. We just make a lot of assumptions based off perceptions. And that goes back to people's perceptions of you. Um, you you just never know. I mean, I think, I think it's safe to say that we're all just out here trying to do our best right now, especially amongst the circumstances, what's going on in the world. I I think we're all just trying to do our best. And I think it's very important to, to keep that in mind before we throw a lot of judgment or, or jump mm-hmm. to an emotional outrage Absolutely. response. You know, I mean, we're all just trying to, now if someone's being intentionally malicious, that's one thing, but to just judge yeah, somebody. Gang. Yeah. <laughs> I just, but to just judge someone so quickly, again, it's, I, it's something that I've done before. Um, I'm very guilty of, and I learned what kind of effect that I can have. It breeds a very negative mindset. It breeds a very pessimistic mindset. And, and, you know, it's just, it's good to just realize every now and then that we're all just trying to do the, our best for ourselves and our families. Mm-hmm. What would you say are some, let's focus on internal right now. What would you say are some of your internal vulnerabilities? Well, I, you know, 
I've come a long way with a lot of these in the past two years because I've done a lot of work on myself the past, especially the past year. I've done a lot of work on myself in particular. Um, one of those things was I had a huge insecurity with my body. And through that insecurity that was bred in me from childhood, um, you know, I, I sought validation for my physical development. And, you know, I did that through social media. I did that through just, you know, just because it was a... I grew up in a unique uh, culture and I, and I was, um, I, I didn't have a lot of confidence as a child. And the first good thing that happened for me in my life in terms of something I could be proud of was my physical development. I started working out really hard, started eating more, started developing muscle. And that got me attention here and there. And so since that was the only thing I had to be proud of for so long, I put all of my validation, all of my self-worth into how I looked. And that made my personal development, my emotional awareness, and my empathy take a back seat uh, and not develop. I was underdeveloped with that. And then that led, that combination led to just, you know, relationships being destroyed and, and uh, a stunt, a stunting of my emotional growth and my ability to understand and empathize with people's emotions. And I'm still working on a lot of that, but I've made a lot of mo monumental bounds. You know, I, I used to be so self-conscious in the gym. I used to think everyone was watching me. And I would question whether I was, you know, one example is I would not want to be seen lifting lightweight because then some random guy might think I'm not very strong. As ridiculous as that sounds, I would go in and warm up really quick in a long sleeve shirt of some sort because God forbid someone see me without a pump, you know, and this is how deep this ran. And I was so insecure that you know, I wouldn't take that long sleeve shirt off until I was sure I'd siphoned as much blood as possible in my muscles before I took it off so that everyone in the gym could be made aware that I was, you know, indeed muscular as if anyone cared about that, you know, and that, that was something that lasted a long time. And I only recently stopped giving a shit about now. I, I couldn't care less. Now I, now I just keep a long sleeve shirt on the whole time and it, it keeps me warm and it, it's actually a better workout. But just take one of many examples that, I really had to work on in terms of insecurity and, and it came from my childhood. You know, it's something that most of us who do cope or escape from feelings, these things are, are developed in our childhood from traumas or, or bullying in my case and so forth. I think a, a lot of what you said with the gym is probably something that uh, more people than we know deal with because I do believe that, you know, aside from the health benefits of working out, a lot of people are in there because they want to improve the way that their bodies look. And so for for men, I, I know that that typically means that they want to appear um, bigger, more muscular in size. And for females, I know that that usually means that they want to appear more uh, toned and, and have a really nice, you know, figure, whether that's that you want to have that hourglass figure or a nice butt or whatever it is. But one thing that I can say is, is that most of the time, um, what I've learned is, is that when people are working out in the gym, they're typically focused on themselves. And, um, you know, everyone thinks that everyone else is watching them. when in reality, if everyone feels that way, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, I do believe that, you know, you're in there uh, for a purpose. And uh, that's why typically when I go in the gym, as many insecurities as I have about my body, uh, I like to put in my headphones and just kind of get to work. And 
not really allow those creeping insecurities to, to come into my thought process because as soon as they do, it disrupts what you're able to do in the gym. It disrupts the exercises that you're going to do because you're unsure of if you're doing them completely properly or who's watching you. It disrupts how much you're going to be able to lift because uh, you're going to now, you know, be wondering, oh, you know, am I stronger than the person that's next to me? And there's just a whole range of of different thoughts that can creep into your mind. But if you're really, really focusing on the purpose as to why you're in there and what you're trying to achieve, um, those thoughts can just, you know, kind of fly away. I think this is a a lesson that can be metaphorically applied to life. Um, If you're only focused on what other people are thinking of you, it's really hard to progress with yourself. When you put your head down and you work on yourself and you block out all of that and you just consume things that are contributing to your success, you just consume things and view things that are enhancing your life and not taking away from them. When you stop living in the past and focus on the present to manifest your future, that's when you see real progress in your life. And doing that consistently over time is what breeds a much higher caliber of life. So this, you know, this, this is something that I think really does apply to, to, to the rest of life. If you're in the gym and you think that everyone's focused on you, trust me when I say everyone else is worried about themselves and much more in their insecurities than they are anything you're doing. And the second you start focusing on yourself, your own development, what you're there to do, what you're there to achieve, you will, you'll, you'll have much better workouts that translate into results in the mirror. And in life, you'll have much better results that translate into more health, wealth, and better relationships. So I think that was something that kind of spoke to me in terms of how that can be applied to life. Oh, absolutely. And I think that we also need to remember that it is not only us. I know that we only see the world through our own eyes and we feel through our own um, hearts, but it is not only us that is that are dealing with uh, vulnerabilities, insecurities, um, life in general. That everyone has their their own set of insecurities, and everyone's going through different things at different points in their lives. And um, the world does not necessarily revolve around you as an individual. Yeah, yeah, and you know your your brother in law. Um, Daniel, he, he told me one time brief, like right after we had met in person for the first time, he said, you exude confidence. He told me that. And that blew my mind because I was thinking if you only knew how much I struggle with confidence and have struggled with it, you know, you'd be really surprised. But I guess I, you know, I had, had worked on just appearing confident. And so to me that, that tells me, I wonder how many other people are, you know, uh, faking it till they make it, you know, mm-hmm. putting on a, uh, a front or, or appearing a certain way, but internally they're struggling a lot. And I would say it's way more people than we realize mm-hmm. probably everyone. Well, I mean, if you think about it, it's not like anyone truly has the keys or the map to success. I mean, we all try to build a plan to the best of our abilities, set goals and whatnot. But at the end of the day, we're all just doing our best to try to figure it out. And we're going to keep doing our best. <laughs> yes, we are. We're going to we're going to give it a good college try. That's for sure. And if nothing else, we'll learn how not to do things. Okay. You know, gathering data there. We're we're still we're still working on a lot, um, and learning more every day, and learning that 
I think, and the, I mean, I don't know about you, but the, the longer I work in our careers, the longer we work on our relationship, the longer work on, I work on myself, the more I realize that this journey is so much more about the imperfections and the shortcomings and the failures and learning from those and being willing to have those and be okay with it than the actual success. It's, it's literally like climbing up a mountain that's covered in grease and you just keep slipping. But every single time, you know, you get a little further and you get a little further and you slip back and you look further. And before you know it, you look back and you're like, holy crap, look how far I've come. But, you know, all those slips didn't mean failure in the, in terms of the over-encompassing journey. It's, it's just uh, things to learn from. And, and the more you're willing to fail, the more you're willing to put yourself out there and gather data on those failures and then proceed with that data to adjust course, um, the more successful you will ultimately be. And that success may not look anything like you envisioned it or planned. I'm a prime example of that, but it's going to be a place that you're very happy. You're, you're, you're living in abundance and you're in a much different place than you started, but you have to be willing to put one foot in front of the other and experience a few bumps in the road and some, some massive failures to gather data on what doesn't work. <laughs> no, I definitely agree with you on that. I think that as you get older, you start to realize that you do have things that you need to work on and that you're not all knowing and perfect. And that's the time when you can actually really make a dent in, in changing yourself and becoming the best version of yourself is when you don't succeed at something or when you realize that you actually struggle with something, I think that is the time when you can make the biggest change in, you know, who you are and become more worldly, um, become a stronger version of yourself and kind of make, you know, a change that puts you in, in a, a better direction for your life. I couldn't agree more. You know, what's funny. What's funny. The fact that when we were younger, younger, I won't say younger because we're old, but younger, that we thought our parents had it all figured out and oh, they yes. knew everything. Oh, yes. I remember, I remember the day that something happened. It was something with my car that happened. And typically, I would just, you know, call my dad. And I remember the day when he was just like, okay, well, you know, I don't really know. You're going to have to figure it out because I was at an age where, you know, I, I sh it was good. He gave me the push. I, I was at an age where I should have been you know, figuring things out. And I was just like, wait, he doesn't know. What, what do you mean? He doesn't know. Mm -hmm. And at that moment I realized, oh my gosh, I have to figure things out now for myself. They're just people. <laughs> They're just people figuring it out, you know? Exactly. And, and I think it's it's such a, since we're, we are parents now and we're in that position, albeit, you know, with a very young son, um, you start to realize how mortal our parents were, how hard their jobs were, mm -hmm. and um, how human they were. I This is a really, like, <laughs> dumbed down example, uh, a very male example, but... I, I will never forget the day that I bench press more than my dad because we had worked out together as a, as a partnership for so, so long. I mean, what, like 15, 20 years at this point. And, uh, somewhere in my, my early twenties, I finally, I finally did it. Like maybe my mid twenties, I could, I was stronger than my dad, you know? 
and that was such a, a weird reality because to me, my dad was a superhero and could do no wrong and make no mistakes and never get hurt or injured or anything. And then I, I was almost, I almost like was brought to tears because I didn't want it to end. I didn't want that, that rivalry that we had our competitive, you know, we, we competed in almost everything, um, you know, in road biking, which I know you find very sexy mm-hmm. <laughs> in our bike shorts and our helmets. You never, you know, I know that you really liked that look, but that uh, almost was a deal breaker for me, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't wait for the day when Den is out playing you in basketball or outlifting you or something like that. And you just realize because it's probably going to come sooner than later. Well, unlike my dad, I have modern science and technology mm-hmm. on my side. I will buy bionic legs. I will replace all my joints with titanium. I will inject whatever science has created to keep me young enough to never be defeated by Denver. No way. I will never let it happen. He'll never be able to beat me up. Mm-hmm. He'll never be able to beat me mm-hmm. in basketball. He'll never outlift me ever. I refuse. Don't worry. I'll be glad to give updates as to when this happens as it happens live. I don't know what's going to happen with him. Our son is so big. Way strong. Very strong. I, it's crazy how strong babies are. He's very strong. There's no setting between off and rip your arm off. Like he is... He has almost pulled me over before, just grasping my finger and pulling me. He's he's so strong and he's so heavy. I mean, him in particular, he's uh, ten and a half months, and he weighs probably twenty seven ish pounds at this point, twenty eight. And he has a friend who is about fourteen months, fifteen months, fifteen months, and is what like twenty three pounds, twenty two. It's much 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 lighter. When I picked him up, I couldn't believe how light he was compared to Denver, who's way younger. And I don't know if it's a combination. I, I know everybody's different. I know kids develop at different rates, and he's probably going to, you know, level out at some point. But he is really big and really strong. Yeah, he's definitely got a little extra meat on his bones. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, very dense. We're yeah. thinking he's probably going to look like the mountain from Game of Thrones, but uh, hopefully not, because that will literally bankrupt me with the amount of food he'll have to eat. Well, I think that when hopefully when he starts walking, he'll he'll lean out a little bit like his friends. <laughs> Probably yeah. for moving more, maybe. I, if he stays with the proportions he has now, he's gonna be a. He's gonna be a sumo wrestler. He'll be a world champion powerlifter. I don't know. I don't. I, whatever his dream is, here's here's one thing I know we can agree on. Whatever he wants to do, whatever our son wants to do, even if it's water polo, croquet, checkers, I don't care. Checkers? I'm gonna support. I don't care. Is that a game? Checkers, not the restaurant. Okay. Stop salivating. It's the, it's the game. <laughs> so I'm going to support him. And I know you will too. Yes. You know, that's yes. one thing we'll never press on him is our own interests. We'll press our morals on him and our, our ethics, but never our interests because that's a great way to make them hate those things. No, I want him to have the opportunity. So, you know, we can put him in different sports and if he likes it, then great. If he doesn't, Give him another opportunity to try. One thing I do think is is that he is going to have some sort of musical talent. That's for sure because he's already uh, moving to rhythm. Yeah, he already gets very excited when some sort of a, a song comes on or there's a beat in the background. He mm-hmm. loves that. Stuff. He moves with the beat. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has literal rhythm. Mm-hmm. The, if you listen to the beat, he's he's swaying with the beat, which is which I think is very. Um, remarkable um and I, I'm, I'm sure we're a little biased but i think he's he does have a propensity to learn music at a very young age and they have baby music classes which i had no idea existed but 
you know, when I go to my hip hop dance classes, I'll just take him next door to the baby music classes and we can both get cultured, you know, <laughs> both get multidimensional. Yes. I can't wait for that. On that note, we want to thank you all for listening. Yes. Thank you so much. And uh, if you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button and five stars. Five stars, five stars, five stars, five stars, five stars. Give us five stars. And feel free to leave a review uh, that we'd be glad to read on the next episode. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening. Everybody have a wonderful day. Bye. Ladies, thanks for listening. Find us and reach out to us on Instagram at Maverick underscore Willett, on Facebook at Maverick Willett Fitness, or visit our website, www.maverickonlinecoaching.com. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and check back weekly for new episodes. See you next time.